Amen. All right. I don't know about you, but I get excited about church. I love coming. I get my battery recharged, and uh, I get to have the privilege of studying to prepare for messages and things like that. And what an honor it is to be able to uh, stand up here and preach the Word of God. I, I, there's no place I'd rather be uh, than preaching God's Word, and I'm telling you, it's a blessing. Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 2. Um, it is good to have our visitors back with us again. They were here a couple weeks ago, and I preached a baby out of her. What a blessing. Uh, she had the baby last time, and then I, I preached, and they disappeared. I said, what happened there? And she had the baby two days later, so praise the Lord. And uh, then he told me that he wants some CDs of my messages because it keeps the baby asleep. And I said, fit right in, Brother Rich, won't it? Uh, keeps us asleep. Praise the Lord uh, for that. Acts chapter number 2. Uh, those of you that are physically able to, I would invite you to stand with me tonight out of respect for the Word of God, Acts chapter number 2. Um, it has been a, a wonderful, wonderful time going through Wednesday nights. It's back to the basics Bible study that we did and uh, going through a lot of the doctrines and why we believe what we believe. And it's been a blessing uh, to just have that uh, recharge and that refresh in our mind, those things that we know uh, that the Bible says, but just to get it back. And now Acts, and we're dealing with uh, the book of Acts, and it's been a blessing to see that. As well, But in Acts chapter number 2, starting in verse number 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto the, them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted to them, uh, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the privilege of uh, getting into your word tonight. Lord, I ask you please to just uh, use me as your mouthpiece this evening. Uh, clear my mind and my uh, distractions that may be going through, Lord, just the things of the future and different things that, uh, Lord, you have on my mind and my heart. Lord, I just pray that you will help me to uh, focus in on the message that you've given us for this evening. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts, encourage us as we're here. Lord, motivate us to serve you better. And Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. As I was going through, uh, again, I I'm trying to go chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. And we were in Acts chapter number 1. We talked about how they were in preparation to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, there were some things they had to do. They had to get themselves cleansed and prepare themselves. And Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem because in a few days I'm going to pour out my spirit. And uh, they did what he told them to do. And they were ready uh, to receive that filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, that's lessons we need to learn is we need to constantly be in a, a state in our life where we are cleansed and we're praying and we're keeping things clean in our life that we can be used of God to pour his spirit out to other folks. And in chapter number 2, uh, after the, the Holy Ghost was upon them, the day of Pentecost was fully come. It talked about how they were still in one accord in prayer and supplication and uh, doing all those things. And the power of, of God came down upon them. And Peter stood and 
he preached and uh, the, the tongues happened. They said, these are Galileans and how can we understand them in their language and uh, how are we understanding what they're saying? And some people, the, the naysayers were telling them that they were just drunk and uh, that all this, but Peter stood and he took a stand for what was right. And uh, listen, we ought to take a stand for what's right and all these things. And as I was going through, I came to uh, verse 41 through verse 47 and I began to think about how the church of God just that quickly grew that day. 3,000 souls. And then it said in verse number 47, it said, and, they, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And as I was thinking about that, Brother Jeff, I was thinking about what's it take to grow a church? What's it really take to grow a church? Now, not, listen, I'm not about a uh, numbers guy. I'd rather have quality than quantity. You say, what do you mean by that? I'd rather have uh, the right kind of preaching, the right kind of things going on, not trying to get crowds the world's way of doing it. But there is a way, biblically, that we can grow a church. And they had a pattern here. And I think that we ought to have spiritual growth. That's why our theme is to know God first and then to make Him known. Because if we don't know Him personally, if we don't have that personal walk, we're not going to make Him known to others as we should, and the gospel's not going to get out the way it should. And so we're going to talk about tonight, the title of the message this evening is going to be Seven Secrets of a Growing Church. Seven Secrets of a Growing Church. And we're going to uh, go through some of this stuff and talk about these things here tonight. I don't, I'm not talking about growing physically, uh, though I would love to see more people in church. I think that people ought to be in church. They ought to be here. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, they ought to be in church. Why? God commands us to be in church. And he said, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? The day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's closer today than it was yesterday. And the closer it gets, the more we ought to have church, the more we ought to be here. And guess what? Satan's not letting up anyway. Is he? He's fighting the battle, isn't he? He's fighting the fight, getting people out of church, thinking, why do I need to come to church? I don't need to be here at church. There's other things more important than being at church. And that's the mindset that they have. But God uh, loved the church and gave himself for it. And we ought to be here. You say, well, this is just a building. You're right. But if we're not here together to come, then we don't have the church uh, meeting together. And we ought to be here together. That was free. That's a side note. But I'm not talking about growing physically. I'm talking about growing spiritually. But if we grow spiritually, there's going to be growth physically. Why? Because he says, some sow, some water, but God giveth the increase. God promises that if we do the work that God wants us to do with the right heart, the right spirit, he's going to add people to the church. And that's what happened here. Guess what they did? They got filled with the spirit of God. They began to preach the word of God. They took a stand, preached the word of God with boldness. And what happened? People got saved, didn't they? People got saved and they were baptized and added unto the church. Growing physically is as important as growing spiritually, and every one of us ought to grow spiritually. I'm tired in our society today of this run-down condition of the church. You say, what are you talking about? There's not, not just on the physical aspect of it, but there's a lot of people that don't take respect in what God's given us. You understand, this is God's house. This doesn't belong to you, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to Him. And God's given us this, we ought to take care of this place that God's given us. But more than that, that we, the, our body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you're saved in this room tonight, you belong to God. Your body belongs to Him. But we have a lot of people that live with a run-down condition of God's house. You say, what do you mean? Is they, they live their life contrary to what the Bible says. And they're taking God's house and they're running it into the ground. See, we have to understand we ought to respect the church of God. We ought to respect it. 
But there are seven things that as I was going through here, I began to see as I was looking through this passage of Scripture that I believe every church that's going to grow the way God intends it to grow. Now listen, I'm not talking about just having a full parking lot. If you want that, all we got to do is put a praise and worship team up here on the stage. All we got to do is offer uh, the world's uh, way of entertainment. And guess what? We could pack this place out tomorrow. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about having that kind of growth. We're talking about having a Holy Ghost-filled growth in, somebody, in the church. And the only way that's going to happen is if we follow the pattern that's here in the Bible. I was going through this, and as I was reading it, it said, And they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, what a blessing that would be. And it would be a blessing to see three people get saved and join the church let alone 3,000 people get saved and join the church. And then it didn't stop there. Verse 47, it said, And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I thought, man, how are we going to have this? How are we going to have 3,000 people added to the church? How are we going to have daily people added to the church? And I began to go back and read some things. And I believe first thing we need to see, look at verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine the first thing i believe that we need to have a growing church is a church that has perseverance a church that has perseverance look what it said it said and they continued steadfastly that means to be unmovable that means not uh backing down at all they're persevering even through the adversity even through the hard times. If you read through the book of Proverbs, very familiar verses. You don't have to turn there for sake of time. I'll quote them for you. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked fall into mischief. If you read pre previous to those verses in verse 10, it says, If ye faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Verse 15 says, Lay not weight, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. You understand, everybody that's trying to serve God is going to fall under the adversity and the oppression of the devil. We're going to. But a church that's going to be a, a, a church that God wants it to be, and it's going to be a growing church, is a church that through those times are going to persevere and go on. They're going to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, Paul said, I press towards the mark. I want you to look here first in Philippians chapter number 3. Look over in Philippians chapter number 3. And verse 13 and 14, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was pressing towards the mark. You know what he meant? That means he was laboring. He was persevering through. I get think about runners and uh, people that are running uh, long-distance marathons. And you know what they do? They press forward. They run as much as they can run. Paul said that run so that you may obtain. We all have to run the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, as we're running this race in the Christian life, we're going to get weary and we're going to get tired and we're going to feel like throwing in the white flag of surrender. We're going to feel like backing down. We're going to feel like uh, going on. But the only way that the church is going to grow first is if we persevere. We push through. We keep on going. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 
verse number 4. I'm sorry, chapter number 4. 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. Starting in verse number 1, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Sounds like the day and age we live in today, doesn't it? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, look what it says, endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. As I was reading through this, the Apostle Paul's admonishing his preacher boy Timothy that, listen, there's going to come a time when people aren't going to want sound doctrine. There's going to come a time when people would rather just listen to fables and and these false ways of doing things. He said, but listen, preach the word. Persevere. You keep doing it. Listen, it doesn't matter, Faith Baptist Church, if any other church in this area changes their Bible, changes their standards, changes all those things. It doesn't matter if they do it. If we want to be a growing church the way that God wants us to grow, we have to persevere through all those things that Satan's going to try to get. You know what? It would be easier just to say, okay, fine, just everybody come. We're never going to preach on sin. We're never going to preach on all these things. All we want you to do is feel good every time you come to church. Now listen, I don't think every message that is preached ought to be a message that just steps on your toes. But if you come to a church that preaches messages and it never steps on your toes, there's a problem. Why? Because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible cuts us where we need to be cut. And if the Bible's being preached, it said, preach the Word, he told him. He said, be instant in season out of season. Then he tells him how to preach. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He said, use the Bible to help reprove people, to rebuke people, and to exhort people. Use the Word of God to do that. And as he was going down through and he's preaching through all of this, he said, listen, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm about ready to be done. My earthly ministry is about over. He said, but Timothy, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. You know, Paul was telling me, he said, I persevered. And because of that, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Seven secrets of a growing church. First is a church that has perseverance. A church that has perseverance. Secondly, I want you to look back at verse Number two, again, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in what? Prayers. So a growing church, the first secret is to be a a church that just decides that no matter what anybody else says, we're just going to keep on pressing on for God. We're just going to keep on going. Guess what? We're going to keep soul winning. We're going to keep doing all those things. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we're just going to push on through. We're just going to persevere. We're just going to keep on plugging along. Why? Because the Word of God is there for, to help people. But secondly, if we're going to be that kind of church that is a growing church, like we see here in Acts chapter number 2, we need to be a praying church. 
a praying church. Listen, I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm not talking about just these ritualistic prayers. Now listen, if that's the only prayer somebody knows, then they ought to pray it. But the fact is, we ought to learn how to pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray without ceasing. We need to be a praying church, not just coming in here on Wednesday night, the prayer meeting night, and saying, hey, that's the night that we bring our petitions to God. I'm glad that on Sunday mornings before Sunday school, we have a group of men and a group of ladies that get together and they pray and lift up their, their hearts before the Lord and ask God to put His stamp of approval upon this ministry and on what's going on here. And they pray protection around their preacher and protection around their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they pray the will of God. And what a blessing it is to be part of a praying church. But if we're going to continue to be what God wants us to be, if we want to be a growing church, we need to be a praying church. And not selfish prayers. Not prayers that, Lord, you know, I, uh, I'm having a hard time with my coworker, so will you strike him with lightning? You know, I'm not talking about that. Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, make it where my neighbor can't talk. I'm tired of hearing him talk every time I go outside. Just give him laryngitis. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just praying. Talking to the Lord. Listen, we don't have to act all super spiritual when we go to the Lord in prayer. It bothers me when people go to pray and they have to try to think of every word that they, they read in the thesaurus last week. Because they think they're impressing God with their much fair speech. You know what God wants? God wants real people that are talking to Him. God wants real people that will offer their petitions up to the Lord and just say, God, here I am. Lord, it's me. He just wants us to pray. He wants us to pray. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6. Familiar passage. Most of you know it. Talking about the armor of the Lord. Ephesians chapter number 6. Verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And most of the time we stop there. We say, hey, there's the armor. And you know what? It is. But look what it says in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in what? The Spirit and watching thereunto with all what? Perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We talked about a church that's a persevering church. You know what he says? We ought to push through in prayer. We ought to press on in prayer. We ought to keep on going and praying. That's part of what they said. It said, wherefore praying. In verse number 10, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. He's reminding us of what took place in Acts. Remember, they were all in one accord in prayer and what? Supplication. And if we want to be a growing church, we need to be a church that's a persevering church, but a church that's a praying church. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. I wonder why we don't have Pentecost Sundays anymore. Why don't we see 3,000 people added to the church and people added daily? It's because of this. God's people aren't praying as they ought to. Humbling themselves in prayer 
And he gives us some stipulations on the power of God healing our land. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, he said, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So let me ask you the question, is, re, is the lack of revival in our nation the world's fault? It's not. It's God's people's fault. You know why? Because we're not praying people like we ought to be. Oh, I'm not saying that this is everyone, but I believe the vast majority of, of so-called Bible believers aren't praying like they should be praying. Because if they were praying like they should be praying, God would be doing what God promised he would do. And he would bring our land back to where it needs to be. We need to be a persevering church. We need to be a praying church. Look at verse number 46 of our text. Go back to Acts, if you would, please. Acts chapter number 2. Verse 46, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread, look what it said, from what? House to house. You know what they were? They're a proclaiming church. They took what just happened to them, and they just didn't keep it with themselves. They went from house to house doing it. You know what? If we're going to be a church that's a growing church, we need to be a persevering church, a praying church, but we need to be a soul-winning, proclaiming church. You know what we ought to be doing? Proclaiming the name of the Lord. We ought to be lifting high His name. We ought to be telling people about the greatest gift they could ever receive, the gift of eternal life. You know what? It, it, we, we have a good time of telling people good news, don't we? When we have good news, we want to tell everybody about it. We get something happens in our life that's just a great thing. We want to let everybody know how wonderful it is. Well, I'll tell you what. There was a day when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. The Holy Spirit indwelled inside of me on that day because by faith I received Him as my Savior. My destination was changed. My eternal destination went from sin to sanctification. It went from unrighteousness to righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. And to me, that's something worth proclaiming. That's something worth telling other people about. That was a great day in my life. Why? Because I don't have to spend one second in hell. And we ought to get excited about that time and be willing to proclaim the name of the Lord. It ought not to be a, a, a chore for us to go out and tell people about Jesus. We ought to have one of these mindsets that if somebody gets within arm's reach of us, they get a gospel track. If they're in a three-foot circumference, they get a track. You say, well, you know what? If I pull up to the gas pump, if God tells me that I'm supposed to witness to that person, then I will. Guess what? Matthew 28, 19, and 20 said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. God already told you to witness to them. You don't have to ask him, is it your will for me to talk to this person on the other side of the gas pump? When you pull up there, you ought to be like a bird dog on point. You ought to be looking at him saying, hey, there's another one that I can proclaim the name of the Lord to. There's another one that I can give the gospel to. You know what? If somebody came up to me and gave me the gospel, I'd be rejoicing in that. I'd be glad that somebody had enough care for my soul, even though I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If somebody came up and said, hey, excuse me, sir, do you know today if you died that you'd go to heaven, I'd probably do a cartwheel right there. Why? Because I've never had somebody do that to me. That's sad living in America. You know what? I've had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door. 
I've had Mormons knock on my door. In my lifetime, I remember one independent Baptist church knocking on my door. One. That's sad, isn't it? Why do most people think, well, that's got to be the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's got to be the Mormons. You know what? People ought to be saying, hey, that's that Faith Baptist Church down the road. They're just trying to proclaim the name of the Lord. Every time I turn around, man, every bathroom I go into, every place I look, there's these gospel tracks sitting there staring me in the face. Why? Because there's a church that desires to grow, that not just wants to see numbers coming to a church, but they want to see the family of God be extended, and they're proclaiming the name of the Lord. Listen, we ought to get back to soul winning again. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We know those verses, right? But look at verse 11. Of Romans chapter 10. We always stop at. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Listen, if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you ought not to be ashamed of it. You ought not to be ashamed to proclaim the name of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of it. Take your Bibles to Romans 1. Romans 1. Verse number 16 said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Listen, if you're in this room today and you're saved, you ought not to be ashamed to proclaim the name of the Lord. If we're going to be a growing church, we ought to be willing to go from house to house. We ought to be willing that no matter where we go, we give the gospel. Listen, I don't care what other churches do. But by the grace of God, as long as I have breath, this church is going to be a soul-winning church. Why? Because that's God's plan. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, He that sows in tears will reap in joy, but he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Is that not God's word? Yes, it is. That's God's promise. Guess what? If we'll get a desire to pray again, get a heart back for souls once again, we'll pray, we'll weep over those lost souls, we'll go out and share the gospel with them, guess what God's going to do? He's going to let us bring cheese with us. We're going to have some fruit of our labor. Seven secrets of a growing church. Firstly, we've got to be a persevering church. Second, we've got to be a praying church. Third, we need to be a proclaiming church. Th- fourthly, we need to be a, a pursuing church. You say pursuing after what? Pursuing after God. Pursuing after God. Look back at our text in Acts chapter number 3. It said this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking in bread and in prayers. You know, the Bible is likened to the bread of the Word. It's also likened to the meat of the Word. And it talks about eating bread and eating the meat. You know what? We ought to never lose sight of pursuing God. We ought to have a desire to know God. If we're going to be the type of church that is a, uh, a church that's growing the way God wants us to, we ought to be a one, one that is pursuing the Word of God. We're students of it. We don't just listen to it when we come to church on Sunday and come to church on Wednesday. 
We're in it daily going to the Word of God. We're letting it sustain us and fill us and feed us. We're allowing God to nurture us through the water of the Word and the bread that we get. And as we eat of that bread and we continue to grow, then God gives us the meat of the Word and we can chew on that for a little longer and take some time to meditate upon the Word of God for that is the only way that we're not going to blow over when the storms of life come. As if we're just a pursuing church, one that's just pursuing after the Word of God, but pursuing after the wisdom of God. You say, what are you talking about? Him that hath wisdom, let him ask, him that lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. We need to have the wisdom of God. And how do we get the wisdom of God? Through the word of God. We need to be a praying church. We need to be a persevering church. We need to be a proclaiming church. We need to be a pursuing church. Look at verse number 47. Verse number 47. It said this. First two words. What is it? Praising God. We need to be a praising church. Praising church. Just praising the name of the Lord. We preach Sunday morning on thank you, Lord. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to praise the Lord for. I love that song that says, I have been blessed. I got to thinking about that, uh, that song, the clothes on our back, the shoes on our feet, all the things that we have that God has blessed us with. We have a good God, and we ought to praise His name. Firstly, I want to praise Him for my salvation. I'm glad for it. I want to lift up His name high. Why? Because of what He's done in my life. But not just because of our salvation, because of the opportunity of serving Him. What a praise His name. What a lift high for the many blessings that He gives us. Look at Psalm 100. Psalm 100, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing, know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with what? praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generation it said come before his presence with singing into his courts with praise listen if we're going to be a growing church we ought to be a praising church we ought to be a church that's not afraid to say amen we ought to be a church that's not afraid to say praise the Lord. We ought to be a church that's not afraid to sometimes lift your hand and just say thank you God for what you've done. Now listen, I'm not for somebody putting on a show in church. I don't think somebody ought to get up and hoop and holler and jump over the pews just to put on a scene. But I'm here to tell you, if God does something in your heart, if the Holy Spirit just stirs up inside of you, it's not wrong for you to wave your hand and say praise the Lord. It's not wrong for you to lift high his name. Why? Because he's good. And his, uh, the Bible says that, that uh, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. We have a lot to praise him for. We ought to be a praying church. Seven secrets of a growing church. We ought to be a persevering church, a praying church a proclaiming church, a pursuing church, a praising church. But look at verse number 44 back in our text. It says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. You know what it said? It said all they. You know what that means, Brother Guy? That we need to be a participating church. You say, what are you talking about? People are getting involved. 
doing things in the work. It ought not to be five people doing everything in the church. We ought to have a group of people that just say, Lord, here am I, use me. Lord, wherever it is, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, where you, where you lead me, I'll do it. Whatever ministry you have for me to serve in, God, I'll do it. Why? Because I'm just, I, I want to participate. The Bible says in many uh, different places how they looked around, tried to find somebody to make up a hedge and stand in the gap, but they found none. The fields were white unto harvest, but the labors are few. Listen, there's a problem that we have today. We have a lot of people that want to come to church, sit in a pew, go home, put a check mark there. Hey, I attended church today, but God isn't looking for somebody to just come and sit in a pew. God's looking for somebody that'll say, Lord, here am I, use me. We need to be a participating church. Somebody that's just getting involved. Preacher, where can I help? What can I do? God, show me what, what, what can I be a blessing to your, to your church for? How can I be a blessing and a help to it? We need to be a participating church. It said all of them. And verse 40. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And look what it says, verse 45. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man hath need. Listen, they were all participating in doing it. How can I participate? Well, you can show up. You can't participate if you're not here. you got to be here to participate. But you know what? We ought not to just be content just to sit in a pew. What can I do? Preacher, I just can't get out and go soul winning like you're asking me to. You know what? If you have a phone book with addresses, you can mail gospel tracts. You can make a way to get the gospel out. You can participate in certain ways. You say, well, I don't know what to do. I can help in the nursery. I can clean the church. I can do this or I can do that. I can somehow be a help and a blessing to our church. You know what? We need to be a participating church. They all did their part. They were all together in one accord. It's a persevering church, a praying church, a proclaiming church, a pursuing church, a praising church, a participating church. But this last one a lot of us don't like. It said, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted to, them, uh, to all them as every man had need. You know what they were? They were a paying church. You say, what are you talking about? They were people that were willing to give. People that were willing to give. Now, I'm not telling you to go home and sell all your possessions and give them to the church. I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you to do is obey the Lord. God says give tithe, you ought to give tithe. God says give offerings, you ought to give offerings. You ought to be willing to do it. But you know what happens? Most of us squeeze when God tells us to give. God wants to bless us and he wants to pour out blessings that we're unable to receive. But God can't do it because every time he tries to pour out a blessing, we squeeze it. Instead of being a channel for God to use to be a blessing to others and for it to flow through the ministry and the work here of the church, this is what happens. And listen, I understand we do have a giving church. We have people that give a lot. And I sure appreciate it. But I'm telling you this, for the vast majority of churches today, you know what they want? They want to keep it all for themselves. It's all about what they can do. We don't want to have to give to others. Well, the Bible says give and it shall be given. If we're going to be a growing church the way God wants us to grow, we ought to be willing to give. We ought to be willing to give to the work of the Lord. You understand it all belongs to Him anyway. You say, well, I work hard for my money. Who gave you the ability to work hard? God did. And by the way, you made a wrong statement. I work hard for God's money. That he allows me to keep 90% and ask me for 10 of it. And then he says, tithes and offerings. And we talk about Malachi chapter 3. And there's times when people come to church and they say, all that preacher preaches about is money. No, the people that say that are the ones that have a problem with giving. 
People that don't have a problem with giving don't have a problem with saying the preacher talking about money. Listen, it doesn't affect me one way or the other whether you give or not. People think that preachers preach about money because they want, oh, their salaries to go up. No, we need to do more for the work of the Lord. How do we send out missionaries? We give. How do we have lights and air conditioning in the church? We give. How do we update and keep things going the way they're supposed to go? Uh, money f- through giving. How do we keep the, the buses running and fueled and all those things? How do we do that? Through giving. You know what it said? They were giving. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, and every man had need. Listen, there's a need in our nation today. But more than your money, you know what God wants? He wants you to give of yourself. Give of yourself. There's some people that say, Preacher, I I do all that I can. Reminds me of the woman in the Bible that said she she of her want gave all that she had. Those that were rich cast in much, but she of her want gave all that she had. She said, Lord, I don't have much to give, but Lord, what I do have, I give it to you. You know what? If God has you, he'll have everything about you. People won't have to have a problem with tithing, won't have to have a problem with giving to missions, won't have to have a problem with any of that if God has them. People that struggle with obeying the Lord in these areas are people that God doesn't have complete control over. And we need to be a giving church. You say, preacher, I'm already giving. We'll continue to do it. If you're a giving person, you know what God does. He blesses it. He blesses it. I'm not talking about just giving of money. I'm talking about giving of yourself. God blesses it. We ought to be willing to give of ourselves for the Lord. Lord, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I'm yours. God, whatever you want, I'm yours. If God asked you to retire from your job today and go to the mission field, would you go? You belong to him. The Bible says you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to him. But seven secrets of a growing church. We need to be a persevering church, a praying church, a proclaiming church, a pursuing church, a praising church, a participating church, and a paying church, one that gives. There's other things I could mention, but just in our text here tonight, why could the power of God fall? Why could we see 3,000 people saved and daily adding to the church? Because it wasn't about them. It was all about Him. It was all about Him. Making sure other people knew Him. And the way they did that was they personally got to know Him. And when they got to know Him and they began to walk with Him, it just began to flow out of them. And God began to do miracles. And listen, the same God that did it in that day can do it today. We can still see our nation healed. We can still see our nation turn back to God. If Faith Baptist Church will just say, God, I'm going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to be one that perseveres and presses forward. The end of my life, will I be able to say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Press on. Keep going. Be a church full of prayer. One that's not afraid to proclaim the name of the Lord. One who pursues after God. Who praises the name of the Lord. Who participates in any way they can. And who pays what God tells them to. And gives the way God tells you to give. If we'll do that, guess what? God's going to bless this church. He's going to. Why? Because that was the method he set forth. 
That's what he trained them. Remember, he was there for 40 days teaching them to carry on the work that he had told them to do. And they began to follow after and do what God said to do, and God blessed, and people were added to the church daily. Listen, I believe we can grow this church if we'll just be a people that get these principles behind our our mind and our hearts, and we just say, Lord, I'm completely yours. With heads bowed and eyes closed,